hear me i appreciate you guys showing up showing up early 9 a.m for me i don't know what time it is for you guys but we have a good space today a really good space get some more people in here i'll read out the uh the schedule we've got lined up but each project's going to have its own time slot so you can kind of come and go as the topics interest you tank how's it going man what's up buddy i swear every single time by the way uh that we're in a space together I can't help but kind of giggle and laugh while I look at your PFP. <laughs> it's just, it still makes me laugh, man. Yeah, I think I think it's time to change it. But uh, I'll I don't know what to put. I think I think uh, people complained when I put my logo. Like I got the DMs, so and I'm tired of my face. That's why I don't, I don't put them on my YouTube thumbnails. But uh, I, I'll come up with something. But believe it or not, I'm actually re- in the middle of a rebrand. So my new logo is going to be, I guess, sometime in the next few weeks, is going to just like, uh, it's going to be so good. So good. Nice, bro. I look forward to that. But we, we got some good projects today. We got a lot of the projects that are not always front and center in Cosmos. And I think this is a good way to start the new year, getting some of the listeners, myself and you included, kind of know with what's happening with these different projects that are not always pounding putting out tons of content uh we have we have entry point first so when they come up they're they're an interesting project because they are one of the few projects that's actually trying to blend web 2 and web 3 and cater to the actual web 2 customer web 2 user some traditional investors um that's i think that's what we need i think it's unrealistic to think that web 3 is going to be separate from web 2 at 9:45, Amanda. Sorry, not not 9:45. At 10 o'clock, Sommelier is going to come on. They have, you know, a really interesting protocol because they're a Cosmos chain, but they control smart contracts on Ethereum via the validator set. 10:45, Amanda is going to come on and talk about um, some of the in-person events and her new endeavor with being a crypto meetup organizer. Uh, at 11 o'clock, Migaloo, it's very hard to keep up with Migaloo, so I'm happy they're coming on. They have a lot of moving parts. They're cross-chain. At 11.45, we have, we have Shade. I don't think the timing could be any better to bring on Shade Protocol. I think their token's like almost tripled in the last week or so. And then uh, 12 o'clock, Kuji coming on, and pretty much anyone from Kuji community that wants to pop on is going to come on, um, whether it be um Kuji cast, whether it be Manta people or Unstake, not Sack. So that that's our lineup so far. Right on. You said our first one is entry point, right? That's uh that's great because I've been actually wanting to learn more about entry point. Yeah, you know, it was like six months ago. I was on a 
on a space um, with um, with Mike. Mike used to be on all these spaces all the time, and we're talking with Entry Point, but also somebody somebody else. I think from like Time Wave Labs, and we were talking about whether, basically, we were talking about why I don't think uh, crypt, uh, fungible tokens can be considered investments because they're not. And I was basically saying that they're not equity tokens. They're simply governance tokens that people speculate on. And they kept Well, you've been the, saying that for a while, to be fair. I yeah. Like you've been saying that for a I while. never, ever use the word investment, ever. I don't think I'm an investor. I think I'm a gambler. I'm a, I'm a low-level gambler with these tokens. If you use the word investment, I think it, it's too broad right now for crypto. And maybe with Bitcoin, you could use that because there are actual Bitcoin products in, 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 you know, in the traditional sense. But we were talking about that. And entry is an interesting one because they have an actual product and they're putting together kind of like index tokens, I think. But we'll hear straight from them. We do have a request. I believe, Al, uh, you're from Entry Point, correct? I'm going to bring you up here. Thumbs up? We'll, yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out the hard way, probably, if they're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, guys, I got a new phone. I should not rug today. Hey, guys. I will say, I don't know if it was just me, but it did sound like you're breaking in and out. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. So, Maria, can, Maria tell me if, uh, if it was just me. Um, got Garuda up here and Alessa, uh, sorry, Alessandro. Sorry, your name is cut. You guys are from Entry Point, no? Yeah, we're, we're Entry Point contributors. Good to be on the show, guys. Thanks for the invite. Perfect. Really cool. Really cool. We'll, ca- we'll definitely catch up with you guys. Looks like Alessandro's having some connection issues. That's okay. Well, while we wait to get started, Tank, why don't you talk about what you've got going on with you, with your with your streams and uh, just what, you, you're, what you're interested in right now, what you're covering on your channel? Yeah, yeah. Uh, first, uh, I'll let the lady speak first. Uh, Maria, how are you doing? Come on, Tank. I think we have enough confidence to you go ahead, but I'm doing great. I think it's pretty cool that they catch up this space because also I wanted to ask you guys, I've seen 100 tweets about this new airdrop, like R-A-P-T-R, who is coming to some collections on Stargaze, and I have no clue. I've been trying to get in contact with them, but I have any response till now? So I was wondering, maybe you have information about that as well. I have no idea, unfortunately. I don't know either. I kind of, I kind of gave up on airdrops because I don't get any anymore. I'm so mad. Yeah, we're I from America. Get... We don't get airdrops. Oh uh, no, yeah. I'm sorry, Bri. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, if anybody else does, let us know. Send us a DM because uh, I am, you know, as a content creator, I always have to cover those kind of things when they're interesting. But no, to go back to your question, uh, Joe, um, so recently, uh, you know, covering basic things, and you, you guys know me, a lot of you guys already have heard me before. Uh, I'm a real conservative person. With the having coming up with the Bitcoin ETF, you know, we're supposed to know more or less by tomorrow, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, uh, where that's going to be going. Uh, yesterday, I was preaching a lot of uh, conservatism, like, you know, surprise. Yeah, I think that was, that was refreshing, actually. I think that was yeah, that, yeah. that's good because I think I think the way you phrased it, where you think you said think that the market owes them something because the bear market was terrible for a lot of people. But 
we could just as easily get rejected and they could start raising interest rates at any time, right? And that would probably or just holding snuff it. out. Or, or just yeah. holding interest yeah. rates, right? Like that there's a there's a lot yeah. of things since so anyway, you know, you know, I don't want to go into a whole monologue, but that's what I've been uh trying to convey, uh, at least right. as what I'm thinking, because it's not financial advice, I just want people to think about that. Uh, and I, I'll kind of actually push back a little bit. Uh, I think for the vast majority of people that were actively involved into crypto over the past year, I thought it was a great last year. And that's, that's not just crypto. That was, you know, if you go back and look at TradeFi uh, and any one of the indexes, it was a great, like two, 2023 guys was a freaking fabulous year. Fabulous year. The only way oh, that yeah. you didn't have a good year was being a complete idiot. That, that's literally the only way you, you didn't catch. Uh, like, look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin's up over 100, 155% from the lows. Uh, look at any of the indexes. Like, you know, all of the indexes in TradeFi, they're up 20-something, 30-something percent. Um, you know, you, you could have just thrown money down any normal uh, or big cap and done pretty well. Uh, and so, like, I, I just want to say it one more time before we get into D5. Uh, you know, not that I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm wrong but I prepare for the worst. Guys, don't think that the market owes you jack. It's already giving you a lot this past year. We've seen time and time again, our hopes and dreams get crushed by the SEC and get rejected with the spot Bitcoin ETF and Ethereum ETF many times over. If things don't necessarily repeat themselves but rhyme, what's making you think that this is going to be different this time? Don't get caught up in the hopium or the narrative that's clickbaity for everybody else that's out there and platforms pushing out content that's what they want you to do that's what the protocols want you to do make sure you're taking profits and like you know put your toes in the water don't don't throw your whole waist and body in the fucking pool when there's sharks in there because you know when when people are 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 are, are fearful that's when I'm greedy when people are greedy like right now saying every last reason in the world that we should all be like in the market that's when I'm fearful and so that's kind of what I'm putting out there uh, on my content, and you know, I'll leave it at that. Uh, that I think that's good advice. In, in in the traditional sense, I consider myself very passive, somewhat conservative in the trade five markets. I'm not looking at stocks every day. In fact, from twenty twenty from like twenty nineteen twenty twenty two, I moved almost all of my retirement account into just a seven percent fixed fund. So no matter what market does, I'm getting seven percent compounded. At the beginning of this year, I moved almost all of it back into just an index fund. I said, you know what? I think this is a good time to start back in. And that's like the extent of my investing aside from buying and selling some small amounts of stocks. All right. Entry points yeah. interesting to me because it sounds like I would be maybe their target customer as because I have crypto knowledge, I have a crypto portfolio, but I don't want to be checking charts and day trading or swing trading. So maybe they could give us the elevator pitch up to speed of like what customers maybe would be interested in entry point. And and it looks like a Alessandro connection now. So this is this is good uh good time. Or maybe not. Did I get robbed? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Garuda, can you stop me? And Alessandro? Yeah, do, do is that the segue for entry point, guys? Sorry, it was a bit of yeah, a sorry. intermittent. Yeah, okay, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yep. So you could jump so in. Int- yeah, of course. Thanks again for for the opportunity. Um, so uh, for those um, for those who aren't aware, entry point is a um, Web three protocol uh, looking to bring about um, the to bring about ETF like products on chain 
Um, right now, we see um, TradFi with a zoo-like marketplace uh, full of different thematic financial products. Um, you can take a bet on a specific sector or a factor exposure, and we can go into what that uh, means in more detail for those that aren't so attuned with the, with that terminology. But essentially, entry point is uh, looking to bring that on chain. Um, we see this as um, an obvious uh, movement for the market. Um, and yeah, really, really good um, to be with you guys. Cheers. I think this is great. Um, the thematic ETFs are really what got me interested in the stock market in the first place. Previously, I was just blindly, you know, contributing to my retirement fund. But then I see, oh, here's an ETF that's all pharmaceuticals. Here's an ETF that's all the defense stocks. Here's an ETF that's all energy, right? If something like that existed in crypto, you can get people that are like 60 and 70 years old to at least take a look at it. Even if they don't understand the technology, they could say, oh, I already have this amount of money in my 401k or what, whatever, but maybe I should have 5% in crypto, right? And, and it sounds like if you could position it as a kind of crypto ETF or a crypto index, I think that would be a great way to get attention of those types of people. And let's be honest, those are the people that have almost all the wealth, in, at least in America. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, um, you know, an analyst can take the shape of, uh, as, as a multiple forms. Um, and depending on how, how much time you want to invest in analyzing um, a specific protocol, for example, in Web3, um, you know, it's it's going to really impact your your trading strategy or investment strategy. Um, so, you know, one can have an opinion on how a particular market is going to blossom in the future um, if you have um, some time uh, to, to analyze. Um, but then if you've got more time, you may want to go into the protocol level and take specific uh, protocol bets, so to speak. Um, so entry point is looking to provide that capability uh, to investors, that is to take a thematic uh, bet. So if you've got a bet on um, decentralized exchanges, uh, you know, really blossoming in the future because of a technological advance, uh, you know, advantage of any kind, uh, then you'll be able to do so. There, there's so many themes that we can bring about. Um, and, and, you know, TradFi has really opened the door on this. We see um, incredible uh you know strategies coming from the likes of arc uh, you've got those vanilla strategies like vanguard s p 500 brought about that bog standard way of investing and now we've got these really cool um themes coming out from the likes of arc so you can take a bet on uh cloud or biotech etc so it, it, this is a no-brainer it's going to happen uh regardless of uh whoever takes this mantle and uh, entry point is is here to to bring this uh to fruition yeah i think i think you're right this is going to happen and the the companies you just mentioned whether it's vanguard fidelity whoever they're going to offer these products and i have friends in tradefi who told me like three years ago they were already doing research and putting together reports in anticipation of the united states coming out with clear regulations so they could offer products to 
their high-end clients. And then, of course, that got scrapped at some point, or at least put on hold. But these these companies are definitely going to roll out some type of quote-unquote ETF, crypto ETFs, that'll, that'll look a little different than Grayscale. These are not going to be on-chain. Curious as to how much of what you're offering is going to be on-chain versus how much is going to be custodied in the traditional sense. Yeah, it's a really great question. First of all, it's important to get the terminology uh, accurate. So EntryPoint is bringing about ETF-like products. Um, I'm hesitant to say they will be ETFs because ETFs is a highly contentious word. It's a regulated word. So we can't really attach uh, EntryPoint strategies uh, with the, with that acronym, ETF. Um, you're quite right. The, the centralized uh, providers uh, you know they're looking to go the next level right now uh we you know we've been we've seen naked long strategies naked long btc naked long eth um we haven't quite gone into the alt sector um right now but what going long one asset doesn't make a strategy uh we're in the first innings of this um we've been speaking to a lot of tradfi participants where they're whether they're in the business of issuing ETFs or um, building uh, the actual index strategies themselves. And they're looking uh, very closely um, at providing more holistic strategies, whereby you've got um, more than 10, more than 15 assets in a particular strategy, or uh, unified by some underlying theme, uh, whether that's a particular sector or a factor exposure that's yet to be determined. So these centralized providers will bring this about. Um, but where they fail is their use of, of Web3 technologies. And we've already seen the benefits of Web3 technologies, right? Um, that is the ability to quickly transfer your asset to another wallet, whether that's your own wallet or someone else's wallet. Um, you can utilize these assets as a form of value exchange. Um, you can then utilize these assets uh, as collateral for these decentralized money markets. Um, so there's a huge um, functionality unlock by utilizing Web3. Um, and, and this is where centralized uh, ETF issuance companies fail. Um, and EntryPoint will unlock this capability. This capability, this added functionality in assets improves capital efficiency because if you want to double down on your on your strategy then, then you can quite easily do that right and what i mean is apply leverage um you don't necessarily need to have um you know integer <laughs> leverage like times one times two you can you can you can have any um any level of leverage so 1.5 1.6 1.63 etc that's up to you to decide um you can decide uh, whether you want to, you know, LP that given strategy to provide added yield. I think what I'm trying to say is the, the functionality is numerous and, and uh, yeah, it's incredibly exciting to, to ideate around this. So do you think it's fair to say that your product, at least the plan now versus what exists, you guys have the expertise to offer just more nuanced products with different exposures, different risk return profiles versus just being like grayscale, right? It's just, oh, here's a Bitcoin product. I buy it in my account. 
I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't know even if that's similar to a stock or if it even is an ETF. I just buy it because it has Bitcoin in it. Let's say, for you guys, sounds like these are more carefully constructed, and there'll be lots of options for people who maybe want to get exposure in the different themes or the different ecosystems that exist. Yeah, so so entry point isn't looking to um, actually, you know, devise these strategies. Uh, entry point is a marketplace between uh, index providers and actual investors. So essentially, what what contributors to entry point have determined after mapping the the, the ecosystem and the supply chain is that you have these um, index builders, index providers. Um, that devise these strategies, um, and they often attach their name to a to a given strategy. So, S and P five hundred, for example, belongs to Standard and Poor's, right? Or you have these Arc ETFs devised by Arc, um, and then you have these ETF issuance companies that take this strategy and go and execute upon them. Uh, and then you've got later on distributions uh, for that um, for that ETF product. So essentially and that distribution could be brokers um it could be emis etc so entry point will take the place of etf issuance companies um we see that these etf issuance companies have um high you know high costs associated with uh back office tasks uh, settlement takes ages right so um you know form filling um and and just you know tallying the 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 various financial tables that they need to keep updated so web3 because of its ability to have instant settlement um basically it makes that process a lot more smoother um so what we can essentially facilitate is an index provider programs their strategy into the entry point blockchain and the entry point blockchain will essentially go out and manufacture said strategy in the event that uh, a user has deposited collateral in the um, in the actual vault, so you're going to be your own Cosmos SDK chain. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're, we're, uh, Entry Point is already a uh, Cosmos SDK uh, sovereign chain, so it's live on testnet right now, um, and we've got you know concept um, strategies um, that are live. Um, take those strategies with a pinch of salt right now and why do i say that um essentially because it's a testnet a a chain um we're constrained to provisioning and using testnet assets which are often hard to source um there's obviously no actual um price that that reflects mainnet prices as well um and because we're using testnets um test other testnet chains they're not um, maintained um, and don't have a high enough uptime. So, you know, the strategies listed there are just concepts right now, but um, so that the user can, users can get acquainted with entry point and how it works. But uh, when entry point is on mainnet, um, essentially, you know, we're going to have um, better strategies that uh, contain more assets uh, more diverse themes and, and different factors. Maybe Tank over there can devise a strategy that his uh, goes along with the theme of his his stream. What do you think, Tank? 
Yeah, I was, I'm sitting here just like mulling it over, trying to think of how I could possibly, uh, you know, implement this in my my day to days or my month to months, actually, because this would be more of like a, like you said, kind of a set it and like benefit long term from this. But this is super interesting. This is super. So obviously you, you're going to have your own token as well. Yeah, let me just let me just weigh in on that uh, particular point, Tank. So, like yourself, couldn't just come along and devise a strategy called the Tank strategy, and people could just pile in into that strategy because that would be like retail uh, devising strategies for retail, and we think that that like that's got us so far within Web three, and it works well, but it's not as well as um, you know TradFi gets it. The next level to this is getting the professionals to devise these strategies. So, Tank, if if you wanted to devise a strategy, you could do so with a number of index providers that um, would work with you to devise a strategy. They'd be able to do a lot of back testing and actually quantify, um, you know, and optimize that strategy for uh, execution, etc., and costs. So, um, just wanted to clarify that point um, in terms of the token. Yes, there will be a token. Uh, it's called Entry. Um, and, and essentially, that is a governance token. So that governance token will allow um, an index provider uh, to, to propose on the forum to be able to white, be whitelisted, for example, to uh, program their strategy into the blockchain. Uh, and entry, entry holders could then um, approve that and whitelist that strategist to come on board and execute that um, that given strategy also you know there'll be a number of protocol um there'll be a lot of protocol revenues i'm sure when aum increases um so uh, just to backtrack on that point entry points economics tokenomics essentially work similar to how these etf issuance companies work which is um, revenues correlate uh, closely with aum so as the aum increases as assets under management for those that aren't aware of that acronym, so do uh, protocol revenues. So, um, you know, TradFi has demonstrated that this business model works really well. Uh, produce, and TradFi businesses produce a lot of cash flow. Um, and so by emulating this um, in within entry point, we feel, uh, contributors feel that um, this will uh, be a really positive uh, way to generate protocol revenues for entry holders you mentioned something about back testing do, do you currently have tools that someone like me or tank could use to back test the different strategies because i think that's definitely lacking in web3 right now a lot of it is just oh here's a vault we have no idea who's managing it unless you want to go digging through discords we have no idea what the historical performance is because they're only showing like the last 30 days as it suits them tools like that, I think will really open the floodgates for the more experienced investors who are now crossing over into Web3. Will you guys have that, or do you have it on Testnet? No. I mean, the entry point offering, um, that is the protocol, doesn't come with um, centralized software to, to allow uh, retail users to do backtesting and, and do all of that quantitative analysis. Really, like, so just to clarify, the index providers already exist out in, in TradFi. And these um, index providers um, are already looking at devising crypto strategies, crypto native strategies, but also crypto 
and real world asset combined strategies as well. So for example, if you wanted to devise your own strategy, you would have to have a commercial agreement with said index provider that you sourced yourself, or maybe an entry point contributor could facilitate an introduction. Um, and those custom indices could be devised. So you're, you know, um, so so that index provider would then do all the back testing and the formulation for for you, for example, in that instance. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think I think I'm mixing up two different things. You guys are the platform. You're the marketplace. The index providers are going to use your platform for their own custom vaults, right? So really, it's up to them to, in order to attract depositors, to come up with the information that's, you know, whether it be back testing or even like historical performance reports and whatnot. Is that is that more accurate? Yeah, yeah. that's a good assessment. Uh, index Artisan, I, I saw I saw you wanted to say something. Do, do you want to? Uh, yeah, no, I was just going to say that uh, EntryPoint is the, the middleman between these index providers and the retail audience. Um, so yeah, we basically act as a marketplace. I think it's easier to think like this, so if you get whitelisted and an index provider by the entry point community, you join, you get the ability to offer uh, your index strategies uh, to the community. And if that strategy gets approved, then it's available to deposit on the platform. Yeah, this is, this is super interesting. I actually really like this, Joe. Uh, and like you said, this is, I think, some of the features and some of the goals and aspirations that. Um, Entry point is trying to look, looking to facilitate and provide. Uh, is is it's probably going to be one of the you know critical things that are going to bring in uh, mass adoption or usher in mass adoption to the 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 order generation, which you're absolutely right has a lot of the money, not just in the USA, but like you know it's it's just proven uh, they have a lot more of the wealth uh, right now until they de- <laughs> kill off. Um, oh shit, I was going to ask a question about um, these index providers. Oh. Um, it might be a little bit early, but there is there any um, alpha that you can link or or or, or leak uh, to everybody as far as like anticipation for some of the partnerships and providers that you may already be talking to, like. Oh man, do I want to leak this so bad? I know I, I want you to, but I can't. <laughs> I can't, guys. I really can't. Um, the, the ink is not yet dry on the paperwork. Um, contributors are, are working really hard, guys. Um, but suffice to say, 1Q24, 2Q24 is going to be an exciting uh, amount of alpha leak. And, and uh, we'd be happy to, to leak that alpha on, on, on your show. In that, that's in all, that, that. that was going to be my next question, like when then? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, for saying, sure. Okay, okay, so Q2 and Q3, you said, or? Q1, Q2. Um, oh, let, let, let's see, yeah. but but. You know that we've had a lot of commercial traction um, on this. The, the more we speak to, um, you know, in, uh, TradFi members, um, EMIs, uh, custodians, uh, regulators, the more the business model, the protocol model works and makes a lot more sense. So, um, yeah, there's going to there's going to be a good flurry of uh, activity in, in in the new year. I promise, guys, we're working so- hard. So it's obvious you guys are very pro at and, and anticipating uh, an approval for the Bitcoin ETF, the, the even Ethereum for that matter ETF um, that's been requested. Uh, I'm just gonna 
pull the bandit off and, and just say it like me and Joe were saying. So what, what happens to entry point if, uh, if these ETFs get denied? Um, so I just want to make clear, like the, 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 the model that these centralized providers are looking to implement are, is significantly different to that, uh, which entry points looking to implement. So I'm not going to say hundred percent entry point isn't affected because of course it will affect sentiment. It will affect um, how the regulators view entry points activities um, and how they, yeah, how they look at what the mechanisms that entry points are looking to implement. But at the same time, um, you know, a denial on the centralized front wouldn't, you know, shoot the entry point model, you know, completely out of the sky. So, um, yeah, it's not. It's, it's, it's a not shot really... in the foot, not in the heart, right? It's a shot in the foot, not in the heart. <laughs> Perhaps it, perhaps there'll be a limp. I don't know, uh, but it's definitely not a blank, black and white uh, situation. Uh, it's a, it's a very nuanced, and 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 there's many shades of grey. No, right, I, and I, I had to ask, and I agree with you. That's kind of what I was of getting course. at. I, I don't think that it, it would be a fatal uh, shot to a project like yourselves. Uh, I definitely do think it might, like you said, uh, cause a limp if it was to be shot in the foot. Obviously. Uh, but I, you, you know, even earlier on when you were talking to Joe or responding to Joe's question, uh, I think it's it's critical that you guys keep beating that drum of the difference between an ETF and an ETF-like product. Um, it, it's you know that's going to be key, I think, in, in the longevity of something like what you guys are doing. Uh, that way, no matter what happens, yeah, the sentiment might change, but the offering, the options, uh, and you know, and the want from not only just retail, but like you said, the the, the the bigger players that you guys are talking to and, and trying to work with, uh, you know, it's out there. Like the, everybody wants it. It's just trying to get it over on the controlling arm, which is the governments throughout the world. Right. Um, so I, I do think that it's inevitable. I do think it's just a matter of time that regardless of if it's denied, if it's approved or what it's, it will happen. Uh, and, and these products, um, especially in web three are, are definitely needed. Like I said, so I absolutely love what you guys are doing. If I might, That's awesome. if I might add something, on this. yeah, for sure, for sure. I think I think what's interesting here, and I'm sure Tank, you're, you're sensing this as well. Usually, when we go go on these spaces, we hear a lot about projects and experiments and all this other stuff. Entry point immediately, even on testnet, has a product that will have demand, right? So I think the fact that it's going to operate on its own chain is totally appropriate, similar to how DYDX has their own chain. Um, this, this, is a, this is an actual business model. This is not like what we normally hear, like, like Eric down there refers to as science experiments, science fair experiments. And I think um, the fact that they're launching a marketplace, right, where different providers will compete right, with, their, with their strategies I think it's I think it's a, a winning business model, especially with the ETF news, the current sentiment, prices are starting to cooperate and people are gonna you know come into the space that probably never even thought about investing in crypto or buying crypto two years ago. Yeah, like and you know, I was just saying this in a space a warm-up space before we, we started talking here. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, we're older, uh, and, but like, honestly, I'm looking for more of sustainable, maintainable growth. I, I, I've said this many times before. I like money market accounts. I like investing into uh, indexes. Uh, you know, that's what I really want within the crypto space. Uh, I, I'm no longer like it was fun. And I guess you could say like you were talking about gambling and stuff like that and calling yourself an investor. 
uh, it was fun, but like I want the space to mature. And in order for us to do that, we need these types of products, these types of services within our space. And so, yeah, I think if, um, like you were saying in regards to demand uh, and like people actually wanting this, like I can attest to that. I literally was just saying before we got on this space that that's what I'm looking for nowadays as far as the growth in my portfolios. I'm looking for that, you know, that, that investment that's diverse, like an index of, of some sort. Uh, I'm looking for things that are sustainable, maintainable, that's realistic, that's, you know, uh, comparable-ish. Uh, that's out there in trade five. Like right now, if you go look, you can get in money market accounts with 5%. I, I, I want that in crypto. I want that so I don't have to go to that whole taxable event every single time. You know, I can just set it, forget it, let it, let it do its thing after a long period of time. You know, when I feel like it's a reasonable amount to take that hit, like I'll, I'll do what I want to do. But I, you know, I need to have that. I, I need, I need it for, for, for more participation on my end with my capital going forward in, in the years to come in crypto. Yeah. And just to add on to that, you know, Tank and I, like you said, we're, we're, we have different goals than the typical, like, you know, 25 year old, 90% of their net worth into, into like a bunch of meme tokens and NFTs. I would love to condense my positions down to one or two diversified index funds or ETF like funds and set it and forget it. I do like tinkering a little bit, but I don't want to do that as, as like a, a second job where I have to, in the middle of the night, worry about um, an Oracle attack or worry about, um, you know, a, a, a candle one way or the other. I think that this is, um, th and you mentioned something else, Tank, actually, about how the taxable events, the two things missing from Web3 that would definitely usher in a different demographic of user and maybe project creators, especially if you're builders down below, you might sit, think that there are bigger problems. But from from where I'm sitting, we don't have enough tax accounting tooling, and we don't have these index like products that where you could just do a, a maybe a weekly or a monthly DCA into a diversified um, token that represents an underlying position, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum. Yeah, yeah. And you, all that. you know, I'm, I'm gonna say this right now. Build that out, guys. Uh, entry point, Kuji, all you guys, start building that feature out for us, like in, in on the forefront. <laughs> we need it. We need it. Yeah, for sure. I just want to add, guys, like um, the entry point strategies are going to be holistic, right? So crypto is just going to be any, uh, you know, just another asset class. Um, what do I mean? So we're starting to see the flurry of real world assets coming on chain. We've got fixed income products. We've got uh, precious metals. We, we cut, we're seeing commodities. Um, we're seeing uh, what else? Forex as well coming on 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 chain. Um, and crypto is just another asset class to add to your strategy. So we've come up with some uh, really uh, interesting concept strategies. Uh, for example, the all weather portfolio. Um, and 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 maybe Index Arsan can go into more detail uh, on that. But uh, essentially, these strategies are going to be holistic approaches to investment. Um, so there's going to be a demographic for the gambler, the DGEN that wants to pile in on one coin. But then there's another demographic, um, and I would argue the bulk of the demographic that wants something that they can, you know, what you said, Joe, uh, you know, sleep at night and know that. They've got um, an interesting sector that they're taking a bet on, but don't need to keep, you know, the full focus on that strategy. Gosh dang, Joe, could you imagine? Yeah. I got a Bitcoin, I got a precious, I got gold in this in this index. Oh, 
give it to me. Give it to me. I, I remember a long time ago, I won't say who it was, but it's it's like a controversial figure in crypto that everyone knows, said, why can't I go to the bank and pay my mortgage in 40% silver, 30% um, pounds, 50%, whatever? Why can't I do that? Why do I have to use the one currency that doesn't hold its value for everything? Why can't I pay my taxes with a a tokenized representation of my house, right? And I think that, I don't think it will happen in three to five years, but I think eventually we're gonna to get to the point where everything's tokenized one way or another, and you'll be able to do these microtransactions that settle instantly on chain, and you'll be able to maybe build your own portfolio using these vaults that maybe, you don't even know the vaults exist. You just go to a website, and just like you go to Fidelity or whatever to play around with your your investment fund, you just set up your own little strategy, underlying strategies that are actually handled by mostly professionals. I think that's a good. Um, I think that's realistic for like the eight to twelve year horizon. Yeah, I totally agree with that uh, view on the future. I think uh, you know the the last uh, cycles set of cycles 2017, 20, 2020, They're not going to look like the next cycle. Um, you know, so I completely agree. It's going to take several cycles to, to realize that vision that you uh, painted. But but yeah, I think that that is where we're going. Yeah, you know, instant settlement, um, more flexibility in the, in the actual denominations that one can use for that value exchange. Um, so yeah, really, really exciting. And, and you know, Tank, it, it kind of goes along with the, <laughs> with the um, saying you'll, You'll own nothing and be happy, but you'll have some seed words with a bunch of um, underlying assets associated to a wallet, and you can walk around the metaverse with your phone and show people your your gold, your real estate, your um, whatever, your pork belly futures, and your Bitcoin. Yeah, it would. Sorry, it was over here. Uh, <laughs> speaking of investments, I'm over here like striking up a deal or maybe turning this down to own another business. Uh, yeah, that was <laughs> sorry. Uh, that would be that would be awesome to see in the next couple of years. And I do. I want to pay. How about, I, I love how about that idea, by the way. I, I want to be able to pay my rent or whatever I'm paying in. In you know, have that feature like from whatever indexes I'm invested in. I just want let's like, just pull it from there. I want to pay it some silver, some copper, some gold, some Bitcoin. Just pull it from there. I don't want to. Why, why am I going to fiat? Fiat sucks. You know, we do have some time. I don't know if um, entry point contributors are up for it, but if if someone has questions, you could either request a mic, you could put them in the in the thread down below, I'll check it out and I could read the question for you. But I think entry points given us kind of a realistic, a kind of a realistic um, platform here that is gonna bridge traditional finance and web three nicely if everything works out, you know, especially with the, the macro environment that Tank is warning us about. I think this would be um, a, a good time to take questions because it's I, almost I do like have a question. I, I have a, go, I have go a question. ahead, but I was going to say it's almost like it's almost like the more straightforward the business model is, the more boring it is, and these spaces don't have to take four hours. Right? <laughs> like, but yeah, good. Whatever you got. Well, people people aren't people aren't poking holes to it and stuff like that. So it's a, it's probably a good sign. Um, I, I so just a general question. Uh, you know, as builders in the space, um. 
what uh, and this is just a personal question you guys don't have to take an official stance uh representing uh entry point but like what what would you guys like to see um maybe better or change within the crypto landscape it well, i let me actually narrow it down to within DeFi, since you guys are kind of going to be attacking that man that is a bloody hard question guys that's go so for the, go, yeah go for the biggest <laughs> one, that, like, one one that strikes the like peter griffin said what but grinds your gears. What's the biggest thing in DeFi that grinds your gears? What would you like to see improve? You know what? Okay, actually, it's a good question. You know what really pisses me off? Um, there you go. I like how you said uh, it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you got me. You got me on a rant, guys. <laughs> uh, I I really hate uh, that. The, you know, I can't spend USDC in um, you know around when in my real life. You know, um, I'm always having to do a swap on. Uh, a centralized exchange um, into fiat and, um, you know, using it in the shops. I, I want to be able to just tap my phone on a contactless, um, you know, point of contact and, and just use my USDC, deduct from the USDC. I want there to be, you know, okay, this might be a bit of a pain point for people, but do you, do you remember in FTX how USDC, USDT was just, um, you know, the same as USD in your in your collateral in your balance. Um, why can't we do the same right now with uh, you know going to the shops and, and spending that? That's really annoying, and I, w- I, w- I want to see more people you know facilitate that um, invariance between the, the the different stables and and fiat. I've been told that that's coming by people in TradeFi. That what 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 the sticking point seems to be is that the infrastructure that the banks use and even the, the merchants use is like decades old. So that, that's coming. And even on Coinbase, USD and USDC are interchangeable. Maybe the first step is going to be merchants need a Coinbase account or something like that. And then we just are basically sending it like Venmo from Coinbase account to Coinbase account. Yeah, it's, you don't custody it, but may, that might be the the intermediate step to what you're talking about, because that would be ideal, right? I take profits on my Bitcoin and then I have it in my wallet. I go over to 7-Eleven and I buy my beers or whatever. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think also um, from, from the conversations I've had is a lot of these businesses, these crypto businesses, um, especially in Europe, because um, I, I'm not too like familiar with the US uh, regulations for this, but Getting us um, a, a bank account for a corporation is, is quite hard, um, especially in, in jurisdictions in, in, in Europe. And, and when you tell them that you're doing something related to crypto, you know, the list of banks that you can uh, get an account with whittles down to like a handful. So I think that that's a significant issue as well, unless you're willing to pay an arm and a leg for, um, you know, some Swiss bank that, that's a crypto bank. Well, Circle going to have something to um, to cater to businesses. I was looking at their website yesterday because I'm in the process of getting my LLC set up. But yeah, it seems like Circle might directly, you know, be, be the answer there. But I don't know how it is in the U.S. I haven't gone around from bank to bank, but I've heard that some banks won't deal with crypto at all. Where I live, we have the big banks, but there's also a lot of small credit unions that are quite good. So maybe I'll I'll get lucky where I live, but Maybe we'll take, let's take some questions. We got Chris, we got um, Retro. Um, Chris, why don't you go first? 
Yeah, good morning. And in case I missed this, I do apologize. I came in a little bit late. Uh, awesome. Definitely interesting to see the interior project, and I, I would love to see some of these strategies. So I, I look forward to seeing uh, what they bring to the table. And uh, I am curious, though, from a custody aspect, uh, how would you describe the custody? Does do, do the apps on your chain custody these strategies, or is it custody in a smart contract? And if so, who controls the keys? Yeah, that's a that's a really really good question, um, and an important one to clarify. So. Uh, entry point will be a self custody uh, solution, right? So um, you you can currently interact with it uh, via Kepler, um, and and we've spoken to a number of custodians that have the ability to plug in with MetaMask and Kepler. So whether you you choose to use a, a third party custodian, that's also an option. Um, but th this will be a self custody solution. Okay, perfect. Thanks for the clarification on that. No worries. Cheers. Hey, Coin Landing Page, you're up. How you doing, man? Uh, hey there, how you doing? I'm doing pretty fine. Um, I was just wondering, from like a, a builder's perspective, um, what's the benefit you guys see in going with a, your own app chain um, compared to building out smart contracts? Yeah, that's a really, really good question as well. So having an app chain... Um, is is really important for multiple reasons. The first being, when we speak to regulators, um, you know, one of the first questions they ask is, does uh, do, do the contributors have uh, command of the entire uh, tech stack? Um, and the reason for that is they may need customizations, they may, they may need certain criteria uh, to be fulfilled, and having command of the entire tech stack is, is really important. Um, this is above this is above my engineering knowledge, but I have spoken to uh, people from um, Notional, for example, a while ago um, before for, before the issue, and and they've also advised on on implementing on the smart contract level is more riskier uh, than say on the L one on a module level as well. If you ask me why, I'm I couldn't tell you uh, to be honest, but that is that is what I've heard. Uh, not from just Notional, but from um, another entity that skips my mind. Um, so yeah, those are the two main issues uh, that that having a, a, an app chain resolves. Um, and more importantly, having your own app chain allows the entry point community to start building, um, you know, functionality within other ecosystems. And that's not just crypto only, right? So I'm not talking about bridges to um, other ecosystems. Um, but I'm also talking to about bridges and middleware that, to interact with um, backend or backend systems within TradFi, for example, within a broker, within an EMI that EntryPoint may want to interact with um, in the future. So having your own soil is really important in real life, but also within Web3 itself. And, and that's really why um, th this is the, the best way to, to proceed. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks. Do you, uh, speaking of that, do you mind or would you please advise us on a list of advisors that you've been working with uh, within the Cosmos? Or is there a list of advisors that you can uh, tell us about that you've been working with? Yeah, for sure. So the best, I mean, there, there aren't uh, like specific advisors that um, contributors have been liaising with. Um, there have been a wide range, you know, as, as we all know, cause the Cosmos ecosystem is, 
you know, open source and, you know, willing to, to help and co- share advice and um, technical capabilities. So there's been, there's been a number of people that we've spoken to. Um, but I mean, the biggest contributor to entry point is simply staking. Um, and they've been OG since uh, I think 2018 within the Cosmos ecosystem, the Genesis validators for the Cosmos hub. So um, they've been like the biggest advisors to the entry point project. Um, both from a technical perspective, but also from a commercial direct direction as well. So, um, but then you know, th- there's there's people we've spoken to in the past. Uh, there's Effort Capital, who has been really forthcoming with with his advice and suggestions for the product. The Syndicate Mike, we've had a number of conversations with uh, Notional. I already mentioned, um, and yeah, um, I think I think everyone's been winning, uh, and it's been a positive experience so far. Very cool. Very cool. I think um, I think actually you guys have come a long way since we first spoke about six months ago because you've been live on Testnet for a couple of months. Um, it, it, it sounds like a lot of the, the details are being ironed out. And also, the ETF landscape has changed dramatically since the last time we were chatting on a space. And I think, um, I think that's, that's definitely some tailwind for you guys. Yeah, I would argue, you know, the Web3 ecosystem has really matured. Uh, since its early days, it was sufficient to go live with your protocol and then let um, let the users come to you. But now as the space matures, commercial strategy is just as important at the get-go, right? So most of the engineering works have been completed, uh, ready for, for, for mainnet launch. But what we've been like working on uh, and spending a lot more of our energy on is the commercial strategy and the business model and the traction. So, um, you know, when we do launch, we'll have um, a good uh, portfolio of partners um, and and most importantly, be able to service users uh, to a very high degree. Well, have um, we have like, couple more minutes and then i'm going to have sommelier take the stage but for people that came in maybe halfway through through this this hour you want to sum everything up and zip through like a couple of the main bullets that people should know as possible end users about entry point yeah absolutely so the future is going to look like uh you know crypto is just going to be another asset class and having a more holistic strategy uh, within crypto such that you have fixed income products, precious metals, et cetera, in your portfolio, that's going to be an important uh, uh, opportunity and um, strategy going forward. Entry point is going to facilitate that uh, within the Web3 um, uh, within the Web3 uh, ecosystem, right? So not only are you going to be able to take um, get exposure in all of those asset classes, but you're going to be able to have them uh, have your positions composable and instant settlement as well. Um, so that's what entry point will provide. Um, end users take many shapes. Um, crypto natives uh, like myself, who's been in the space, uh, but you know are time poor, uh, don't have enough time to manage a portfolio or research uh, into specific projects. Um, I could be a customer. Uh, there could be hedge funds that you know take more, uh, you know, broader bets 
um, that would require such a uh, piece of infrastructure like entry point. Um, there's also EMIs uh, and custodians that we've been speaking to who are very excited by this project, as well as family offices. So I think the spectrum is wide. Um, and, and yeah, we're just really excited to be uh, pushing this forward and, and sharing the news about this. So thanks for this opportunity. No problem. And um, like I've said before, I hope this becomes kind of like a a semi-regular space, like every quarter, have a mega space, catch up with these projects that are actually building something useful and, um, you know, get them together on one space. We'll definitely follow up. I know that it took us this long simply because of time zone issues. So I think, I think maybe um, like the next three to four months, we'll have to have another one. And uh, we'll, by then, maybe you guys will have lots and you could, you could share some of those little bits of alpha that you alluded to earlier. Yeah, absolutely. More than willing to. Um, we're able to also, you know, touch upon different themes of the project and, and give you our take on, um, you know, ancillary uh, items, right? So where, uh, you know, other protocols are going, where the entire space is going and give you our take on that as well. So happy to, to jump on um, whenever the invitation is, is given. So thanks for the thanks for this time, guys, and perfect. Wish you all a happy new year. Happy new year, brother. Thank you. Thanks so much, and good luck, man. Good luck. What'd you think, Ted? Yeah, like, dude, talk about strategies. You know, we, I, I love it, man. I, I absolutely. We've talked about this so many times before. This is what this space needs. It needs to mature. It needs to kind of settle down its expectations uh, with things, and it needs to attract. It needs to attract boomers like ourselves, right? Like, it needs to attract my father. Uh, and my mother, that's what it needs to attract. And these types of uh, ideas and, and products, um, offerings within crypto are the things that are going to do it. Now, I don't know, like I wish them the best. Uh, I, I think Entry Point has a strong uh, pitch uh, and, and products uh, whatnot, but you know, there's, I still want to see it develop. I still got to watch closely, but I, I wish them the best, like you said, uh, and I'm really eager to see what happens. Yeah. And I think, I think the, it was a little bit of a dose of reality when he said, um, naked longing a single asset is not a strategy right like you just hold a bunch of tokens that's a gamble it, it, it's literally a gamble I, I love that i I took that away and like you said people like your dad people like my dad i think the younger generation really doesn't understand how and why the older generations have the majority of the wealth right it's not just because they have high salaries it's because they've been compounding investments over decades but they're not diversified. I mean, I, my dad has a 401k. He's definitely got more money than me, even though I make more money than he makes. It's just that he's, he's basically got all of his eggs in, the, in one basket, which is the stock market. It's an index fund, right? 401ks are basically index funds for most Americans. And everything's correlated in the stock market, right? For the most part. You might see one or two sectors from time to time get out of line. but this is a good way for someone like my dad. I can say, okay, download this app on your phone. This is how you do it. Look, you go to entry point. You're going to give you a wallet. Okay, capital wallet, I'll hold your seed words for you. Now you get to pick, do you want 1% in this strategy? Do you want 2%? Do you want 10%? And I think this is a good, at least in theory, how it sounds, a good way to speak to those people who 
they, they, my dad has no idea what crypto is, right? He, he has no freaking idea. He, he just knows all his money's in his 401k or in his, in his house, which is not really ideal. So. Yeah. To, to, to attract them, you gotta, you gotta speak to them in terms that they know. And these are the terms that they're accustomed to. And, and, you know, while it might be a little bit more tech savvy and, and quicker, um, as far as settlement goes and all this other stuff, these are the things that they're going to feel more comfortable with, uh, as far as risk goes and use use goes. Uh, so yeah, I absolutely like I said, we got to watch, see what happens. Uh, I'm rooting for them and I'm rooting for anybody that's kind of doing, uh, strategies of this nature. And speaking of, of course, we got Sam down there. Uh, I don't know who's on the account, but welcome Sam. Hey y'all, it's Josh from Somalia. Hey, good morning, man. Nice to have you on, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to get into it. Yeah, so I, I do know quite a bit about Sam. I've played around with um, the strategy tokens that you guys have. But Sommelier has really expanded over 2023. You guys have done a lot in 2023 just in terms of the number of vaults that you offer. But just to give people an idea, let me try to sum up what you guys are and then you can correct me if I'm off. But you guys are basically a Cosmos chain with this, with with us, you know the the SOM token that governs smart contracts on Ethereum, and those smart contracts are in the form of vaults, which are, you know, trading various assets, hoping to generate a return. Is that is that close? Yeah, very close. Um, the one thing I would amend is it doesn't have to be just trading. It could be um, like leveraged looping or leveraged staking. It could be LPing, uh, so it's just taking different DeFi positions uh, on Ethereum. Uh, we're soon expanding to like the L2s. We have the capabilities from like a technical perspective to go into other ecosystems like Solana. Right, we would just have to write some contracts and getting like a bridging solution. But like theoretically, we can be anywhere where like DeFi is happening. That's really cool. Uh, I noticed you guys are, you know, hitting new milestones with the TVL. That TVL is on ETH, right? That's not the TVL held on the SOM chain, or is it both? Correct. And, um, so, you know, Somalia technically is a layer one, um, but unlike a lot of the other layer ones, at least at this time, we haven't focused on people building on the Somalia blockchain and Cosmos. We've instead, like you mentioned, deployed our smart contracts on Ethereum and have been focused on getting TVL into those contracts and then also getting some like DeFi composability uh, with those vault contracts. So what do I mean by like the DeFi composability? Uh, when you deposit into a Somalia vault, you receive a token back that represents your position in that vault. So like our real yield ETH vault, that's our flagship vault. It's like a ETH liquid staking vault. Um, you get yield ETH tokens back after you deposit. And typically people are just um, staking those yield ETH tokens for additional rewards on Ethereum. So that's like what's happening today. But as we get more uh, vault composability and DeFi integration specific to those uh, yield ETH tokens or other vault tokens. Like in a future world, you could maybe take leverage uh, on that yield ETH token. So 
you could have your yield ETH token earning 8% ETH yield and then mint some stable coins against it to do other stuff, right? Or um, borrow ETH against that yield ETH position to then deposit more into the vault. So there's a ton of things that we have in the works as far as that composability piece uh, on the Ethereum side. So I guess in a future world, maybe there would be some folks on the Somalia chain. I don't know what use case that would be, but for now, the TVL is on the other chains, Ethereum, and then soon the layer twos. And when it comes to like building in the Somalia ecosystem, it's the focus has mostly been on getting some of these integrations um, for the vaults or the vault tokens. Tank, have you played around with the SOM vaults? Yeah, and again, uh, I really liked um, their flagship. Uh, I was trying to go back and look at it. I think you guys are at like 42, almost 43 mil in your real yeah. yield ETH. Yeah, it's just amazing to watch the growth happen there. Um, yeah, But yeah, I've, I've only played around in that pool, uh, obviously, because I just like to go where the liquidity is. Um, but uh, I've, I've really liked what you guys have been doing. Um, I, you know, and I... I Sorry, I'm trying to go back over here and take a look at your guys' polls again. I want to ask you guys, um, it's been a while since I've actually looked, uh, but it says here that your guys' rewards on that pool is going to end in eight days. Uh, do those get replenished or is that, is that going to be like done, done? We've typically been keeping rewards programs on for things that have traction. Uh, so it's going to have to go through community governance, but I think the the rewards on that pool have been going for like since June uh, and we've continued to see growth. So I don't know for sure, but I would imagine that there is a, some renewed program. Awesome. It's a, it's been interesting. Like I, I think as we enter this bull market, it'll be interesting to see what is attractive to users. Um, at least from my perspective, folks have been getting a little more risk on, right? Like you've seen that with some of the meme coins popping off. Um, and so they're like people, at, at least on my Twitter timeline, right? My crypto Twitter timeline, it's more focused on trading various assets. Um, and so we've typically had yield strategies, right? Like, hey, how do you outperform Steve staking, right? That that's sort of been the focus, or how do I get yield, some yield on my stable coins? So it'll be interesting to see how our existing product set fits into the like this new market. If we are indeed in a bull market, um, that's something that I've kept my eye on. Is like people seem to be more risk on. Do they want more leverage in their yield strategies? Do they want exposure to more exotic assets? Um, trading strategies have at least previously had not been super popular, um, possibly because, you know, no coins were going up, but does, do trading strategies become interesting again for, for our user base? So those are some things that are, I'm keeping an eye on as we, um, like, yeah, go forward in 2024 because the rewards programs that we've had have been pretty appealing in a bear market, but maybe they're less appealing in a bull market. I just, it's just something to keep an eye on from our perspective. That, that, that's a good question. Good, good, Tank. 
No, yeah, I was going to say that's it's it's funny because I've been asking myself these kind of things, uh, especially throughout the cosmos where we play in the most, right? Um, and I agree. I think we're seeing a lot more people become more risk on because of the narrative, because of the having, and because you know, all because of all of these things. Um, I I would say, but I want to ask the community maybe with a thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, I would say that uh, for me, who is in one of the pools, I'm not in many. Like I said, I'm only in the real yield. Uh, pool. Uh, I would like to see just more exposure to um, kind of degeny assets than expo or the introduction to higher leverage. Um, I'm just not a fan of high leverage. That's just me speaking personally, though. It's not to say that some people can't do it very well. Uh, I just think that it introduces way too much risk for me personally. Uh, but again, I can get that kind of leverage with you know these speculative degeny assets that get uh, listed on on some of these platforms like Somlier. So like if 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 there was a way to get that, I think I would be a lot more. It would be a lot more tolerant for me. But is that just me, Joe? Like, what, what do you think to that question? Because I've been thinking about that a lot too. Like, what's more important, uh, leverage or is it exposure to speculative, more speculative plays? Well, I think after just talking to Entry Point, something that like went off in my head was, th eventually there'll probably be thematic vaults with right. Like you might have an ERC-20 infrastructure vault, right? Where it's like Chainlink, uh, what are the other ones? Render, um, Graph, right? So I don't know, I think, I think just giving people choices and then letting the, the depositors kind of shake out the winners and losers in terms of popularity. But what I, what, what I also am thinking about is how many of these vaults, no matter how creative and fancy you get, are able to beat the returns of a simple buy and hold strategy without using leverage. Probably not that many, because I remember in the last bull market, a lot of the professional traders were getting beat by simple buy and hold retail people. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, Josh, maybe you have some information there because you guys launched in a basically in a terrible market. Now the market's changing, like you said. Be curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So with some of the trading vaults, um, like there's a few different ways to look at it. Like, is it verse buy and hold um, of those same assets? Is it um, I, like me, random user, likes or would like to try momentum trading or trend trading or some trading strategy, like, you know, trading approach? Uh, on a certain basket of assets, and this saves me time, right? And maybe does it at a comparable or slightly higher level than I would do. So it's like, instead of like verse buy and hold, it's like verse what you would do yourself. That could be another uh, another way to view it. So in terms of it, like, in terms of outperformance, uh, I know we have we do have one thematic vault that is called DeFi Stars, and so that gives you uh, exposure to a few DeFi assets. Um, where is it? Da, da, da. So that's Compound, Curve, Lido, Maker, and Ave is what you get exposure to, and like the most similar product out there from my perspective is the like. Uh, index coop partnered with bankless and there's some DeFi index with many of the maybe like 80 percent of the same assets 
And so relative to that, I believe DeFi Stars has actually outperformed the Bankless Index for those assets. Um, so that's like another, sometimes a competitor will have a similar product and then it's like, are you better than that thing? So it really depends on where you're setting your benchmark. Um, you could, and like how, I guess how you value like the time and the gas cost as far as if you were to do this yourself. Um, but I, I would say like the trading stuff, you know, we have, we try to find very capable partners and sometimes those strategies just take time. Like the horizon is like maybe three to six months, six to 12 months for you to really see if the strategy is playing out. These guys have back tested their stuff, but like, People only view back tests. Like some people don't give a ton of credence to back tests, and so you like have all these different caveats potentially for for various users on on the trading strategy side. Uh, but we we tried, like you said, try to give people a wide selection to pick from, and then let like you said the users or the market sort out you know what the most popular things are uh, on the just the like risk appetite point. I think, you know, one way you, we could sort of get the best of both worlds is, you know, have these vault shares be really high performing types of collateral. Like Real Yield ETH is doing about 8% ETH yield, and it's been doing that since April. Uh, you know, Steve has been doing like high threes to 4%. So you have this collateral that's earning much more. and then you taking you can take you know 25% leverage against that collateral or like loop it five times right like that that part can be up to you and you can decide you can manage that leverage ratio you can put that funds in wherever you want to be like oh i want i'm going to go long eth here so let me get some stable coins um or you know whatever it is but that could be a way to appeal to both like the the user that wants to be a little more hands off and maybe is a little more conservative uh and then also appeal to the user that wants a little more leverage like they have this really high performing collateral and they don't have to sort out like how do i get the best yield on eth they can think about higher level things like okay i have this x extra capital what do i want to do with it um so yeah that's how we can maybe play to to both markets can, can you explain the looping a little bit more yeah sure so i guess a couple of clarifying points so real yield eth does leverage staking we have some other vaults like turbo steeth uh, also does leverage staking when you do the lever the type of leverage staking that is done on these vaults is uh like you take the user deposits ETH, that ETH is then swapped to a levered uh, LST. So it could be Steve, it could be CB ETH, it could be Rocket Pool ETH. Um, that is then collateralized on a lending market, typically like Aave or Morpho. And then ETH is borrowed against that. So the staking rate maybe is 4%. The borrow cost is maybe like 2%. 
three and a half percent or three point two five percent, but whatever, it is less than the staking rate. So you are earning the staking yield. You are borrowing ETH and paying less than the staking yield. You then take that ETH that you borrowed, swap for more of the LST, so like more ETH, recollateralize it, and you just keep doing that little cycle. And so you, I think our vault is able to get like eight times leverage, something like that. Um, and so that de delta between the staking rate and the borrow rate is like what you are making uh, in theory. So the 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 delta between the borrow rates and staking rates is variable, right? There are times when it's been real, like relatively wide and the leverage staking play has been more lucrative. And then there, there have been times where it's narrowed and it hasn't been as viable of a strategy. So that's something that the strategy teams monitor, but that's how the leverage is taken. Now, you may go, well, oh, like eight times leverage, that's a lot of leverage, like that's super risky. Like sort of, um, but when you, you break down like what is happening, then you, you have a better understanding of the risk. So at least on Aave, uh, there in in Morpho because Morpho is on top of Aave. Uh, Steeth and ETH have been hard code one to one, so there there is not really like a ton of um, liquidation risk when you are looping that. Like, don't don't like do something and be like, oh, you know, Josh told me on the spaces that there is no liquidation risk. Uh, we still our vaults still have. Uh, like a minimum health factor of either 1.02 or 1.05 on those positions. So we do not, like, we still leave some room ourselves, um, but they are hard-coded one-to-one, which which changes, like, the, or lessens the liquidation risk. So that's one piece. But even if you were doing it on something that was not hard-coded one-to-one, if you're doing, like, CBETH and ETH, what needs to happen for you to get liquidated is, uh, the the pricing difference between those two assets needs to like become disjointed. So if CBETH and uh, ETH trade like one to one point oh three, right, or one point oh four, whatever it is, uh, if the dollar value, if ETH crashes in dollar value by fifty percent, it doesn't matter. As long as the the one to one point oh four ratio is maintained between the two assets, there there's no liquidation that's going to occur. So you really need like the LST to do a DPEG for there to be liquidation risk. Uh, as far as like like LST DPEGs on the assets that we used, I believe Steeth had the largest DPEG, and that was like seven percent, and that was prior to being able to unstake. So that was during like when 3AC was blowing up. I think it was like 7-ish percent DPEG and you weren't able to redeem the LST. So you, you know, arbitrageurs weren't able to arb it back to peg. So that was like the severity. That's like the historical high point as far as um, severity. The, the LSTs do still have DPEGs even today, right, when redemptions are available. So like Steve will do micro DPEGs of like a few basis points. 
uh, and that presents an opportunity to generate more more yield. But that, at least on the leverage loops that the sommelier vaults do, it's between like an LST and ETH, and you need those the ratio, not the dollar price, but the ratio between those two assets to like substantially move and depeg for there to become for for you to start having some liquidation risk. All right. I mean, that makes sense. And it seems like um, with liquid staking, Tank and I talked about this, you you have to assume there's some risk, but it's hard to quantify, I think, because liquid staking is new. Maybe using ETH liquid staking tokens maybe carries a little bit less risk than liquid staking tokens in other ecosystems. But either way, I think what it sounds like you're saying is with a looping strategy, for example, there's already a little bit of risk involved in liquid staking in the first place. Looping it eight times does not necessarily create an increase by eight in the in the in the strategy because if the liquid staking token decides to implode, whether you're looping or not, there's going to be some some issue, some some risk there for you. Is that close? I, yeah, I would. So there's like a couple of things when people think leverage they're like okay what what needs to happen for me to get liquidated oh dollar price needs to crash like price needs to go down and then i could get right liquidated. and i'm saying you, with the leverage staking loop that sommelier does um because you are collateralizing an eth lst and borrowing eth your debt is in eth it is not in dollars so oh okay so that that makes sense dollar price can go to zero as long as the the um ratio between the two tokens as long as they trade in line and the lst is not depeg you're not going to get liquidated so if the lst does severely depeg now you start to have issues but the dollar price right you don't need to worry about so there are those like random you know big drawdown days that we've seen and you may be like, oh, you know, I'm about to get liquidated. It's like, no, the LST hasn't depegged. You know, you're fine. As far as like assessing the risk, yeah, it's not eight times as much risk um, on that leverage loop. Like once you stop, like, you know, when you hold assets, like every asset holding, even if you're holding it spot in a non-custodial wallet, it's not in any smart contract. Like there is some risk, right? Because that protocol that belongs to that asset could have some vulnerability. Uh, so there's like risk, there's a little bit of risk there. Then once something is in a smart contract in some DeFi platform, there is risk, right? Uh, and so you have to assess that. And then depending on the type of DeFi position that is occurring, whether it's like a leverage position or an LP position, that stuff comes with, you know, even more risk. So it's, yeah, there's like every time you, you know, are trying to pursue a little more return, you're, you're going to be taking on some more risk, whether it's like economic risk, smart contract risk, maybe liquidity risk, whatever. Um, and just on this point of risk, I think it's what I've observed and maybe you all feel differently. Um, but users are 
either saying something is like safe or not safe. It's not, oh, this is like a five out of 10 on risk. This other thing is a seven out of 10. It's just like, like that, that requires like a lot of thinking and like a lot of deep understanding of the protocols. And I think users are definitely smart, but it's just so much work. I don't think it's being conducted like vigorously every time a user takes a position, whether in a small EA protocol or some other protocol. I think instead they rely on a few factors like TVL. Oh, this thing has a hundred million dollars in it. That is more safe than something that has $5 million in it, right? Whether that's like empirically true, you know, we could debate, but I think those higher TVL numbers give people more comfort and say like, oh, this thing is safe, right? Like somewhere along the line, it becomes, oh, this thing was risky, but now it has a certain amount of TVL. Now I consider it safe. Um, it could be, you know, how long a protocol has been going, right? Uh, this thing has been live for two years. There have been no hacks. Like that makes it safe. It could be this protocol has been audited by certain firms. That makes it safe. Like there's all these different, this protocol has a huge bug bounty program. That makes it safe. So there's all these different things um, that these like little markers people look for. And then just depending on your like risk tolerance and security preferences, like you assign some weighting to those things and ultimately determine something to be safe or not safe. Uh, I don't see a ton of people doing like this, this thing is 20% more risky than this other thing I'm thinking about. So I need 20% more return. It's just like, yeah, you, you, what you're bringing up is I'm like laughing here on the other because I think there, first of all, there aren't really tools to, there's not, there aren't even really any tools to simulate impermanent loss before you LP on, on these different platforms. So I think you're right here that people, I almost don't blame people for not being able to um, find the risk because it's almost like you just click and your tokens go in the thing and you check on it on the dashboard and what else is there to think about? If you see the, if you like the yield, you like the yield and there's almost no way to, there's almost no way in Web3 to quantify risk for even the platform, never mind the individual user. Yeah, I mean, well, there's like really blue chip protocols that'll have incidents, right? Like I can think, um, you know, Balancer this year had a little thing, Curve this year had a little thing, like uh, I guess Ave had a little thing, uh, but they like caught it in time. So there's, like really blue chip pro it, it's just very hard building in DeFi. Uh, For sure. And so it's like, you can assign like, oh, this thing is really safe. And like these, these teams did, you know, all the best practices and there's still an issue. And then it's like, you know, hey, Mr. Raider, I thought you said this thing was safe. And it's like, well, we did. Uh, we did think it was safe, right? They did, they were doing everything right. And there was just this one little hiccup and now there was an incident. So. It's just it's just really, really tough. I think users have to understand just by being in crypto, like you're taking on some risk, uh, whether it's just holding asset spot or you know using DeFi protocols. No, it's, it, it's fair. It's fair. Um, it's very hard to even warn people about the risk because for the most part, a lot of people in this space are 
experienced investors anyway. Like um, almost everyone that I talk to in this space doesn't even own a single stock, right? They're not, this is their first experience with quote unquote investing or risk taking. So I think it's a lot of trial and error. Everyone in this space, whether you like it or not, you're kind of an early adopter, but you're also the, um, the guinea pigs for a lot of these, a lot of these protocols that are on SNET for a short time. And I'm not talking about Melgate in particular, but um, just in general. And I, actually, let me, I noticed there's some different people in, in this space and they were a little while ago. Let's, let's try to catch everyone up to what we're talking about. We're talking with sommelier. And as an end user, basically, I go to sommelier's website and I see uh, it's app.sommelier.finance and I see there are these different vaults. And these vaults represent, uh, or these vaults are smart contracts that contain different baskets of tokens or employ a different DeFi strategy. I click deposit. I'm depositing um, an Ethereum asset, whether it's what ETH itself or maybe USDC. I could deposit that, and now I get a placeholder token that represents my position in return, right? Yeah. One one thing I want to just add. Um, that was a great description, by the way. But because this is a Cosmos space and we are a Cosmos chain, I want to make folks aware of how they can participate from the Cosmos ecosystem because. Like I recognize, oh for sure, not everyone. Yeah, well, likes ETH. We should we we should let, um, let's go into that now. Actually, for sure. Okay. So we, uh, and I think Joe, you may have been a, one of these users as well. So like back in basically a year ago, we had these strategy tokens, which are the like holder token for the you know representing your position that uh, Joe mentioned, and we had launched them. A few of them on Helix, and so instead of depositing into the vault, you you could just buy the token uh, that represents a, a position in the vault. So instead of a, like clicking deposit, you just click, you know, swap or buy. That's exactly right. Token. Yeah, yeah. So and it, some people it, in the United States the same could place. not participate. In... Yes, yes. Yeah. So I, I so bought the strategy you... tokens. I bought the strategy tokens just on Uniswap. And those were the, I don't know, I call them placeholder tokens, but they're your yeah, position. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah okay, yeah, that, that, that's right. You can keep going. So Sorry. So it gets you to the same place as far as I'm now in the vault, right? Um, the, so we had launched, we had tried to bring some of these to the Cosmos ecosystem via Injective, uh, and specifically their Helix-like decks. So we had a few of the to stra trading strategies trading vaults listed there, the strategy tokens. Um, and people were able to like buy with their Kepler wallets. You know, they didn't have to pay ETH gas fees, blah, blah, blah. We, there, that wasn't super popular at the time. Maybe it was the trading vaults weren't compelling. Maybe we were just not a well-understood protocol. Obviously, Injective was a different protocol a year ago than it is today as far as like just awareness and activity. Um, so we we're not in the Cosmos eco ecosystem for a long time as far as like being able to access vaults. Uh, but we, maybe a month ago, we launched our Yield ETH vault. Uh, we brought the Yield ETH tokens, which are the placeholder uh, the real Yield ETH vault. That's our flagship vault. Those are accessible via Osmosis. 
and you can swap right into the vault with any asset. So uh, the again, the ticker is yield ETH. So if I go to the, let me just go to the pools right now. So there's about a quarter of a million dollars worth of liquidity in this pool, and you can swap, uh, you know, any of your assets. Whether you have like Atom and you want ETH exposure now because you think ETH is under, like you just want ETH exposure now and you want yield bearing ETH exposure, uh, you can swap into those vaults and just pay like the typical Osmosis gas fees, keep everything on Kepler. So that is like how you can access some sommelier vaults today. Obviously, it's just one vault, it's not all 20 vaults that we have, but it is our most popular vault. So, like, you do have access to arguably the best thing Somalia has to offer um, as a Cosmos user. And then we also have- I, to, I see it now. Yep. Yeah. And we, we, Got have, it. we have an integration for um, Lovana. If folks are Lovana fans on here, uh, you can use the Yieldy token as collateral on Lovana and you know leverage, like do tr trading that way. So- that's been we're like dipping our toes into you know some of the cosmos DeFi integrations and giving users access via cosmos uh it'll be up to sorry about that um so we are dipping our toes as far as getting giving users access uh from cosmos and so we're just you know tracking to see how how much traction uh takes place there because it you know Sometimes people want exposure to the Cosmos assets and are maybe less bullish on Ethereum or, or Ethereum DeFi. So just an experiment we're running and we'll we'll see how users like it. Cool. Tank, did you know that that was on Osmosis? I didn't know that. He might not be there. But yeah, I see it now on Osmosis. Just curious if that underlying liquidity introduces any extra risk if that's Axelar, Bridge ETH. Uh, okay, so there. Yeah, that's a good question. So it is, it is Axelar Bridge. Okay, well, okay. So you do have bridge risk from both the yield ETH asset and the ETH asset, right? Because neither are native to Cosmos. So those are bridged. You have um, so like, I guess you have a little bit of liquidity risk, like if. Uh, there was no liquidity in that. Like, say you bought right, like 10k worth of stuff, and then there's the six months down the, the road, pe the people providing the liquidity to that pool decide like, hey, we don't, we don't want to provide for whatever reason, right? Um, you you would still have your yieldy tokens, but there would be no place to trade them, right? Because the liquidity has been removed. You, right. could then, you would then have to bridge your stuff back and redeem through sommelier. And so that would be, uh, that would be what you would have to do. It's like, with, like, you have your tokens, so you can withdraw from the vault. You just have to go through the sommelier interface. Or you could, in theory, go directly through Etherscan. Um, and like redeem directly through the contract versus the the app interface but that would be that would be like the 
your you know other quote unquote risk. You'd still be able to get your assets out, but it would just be it could be a little bit of a hassle. Understood. And I'm curious because I'm looking in that um the the liquidity pool is actually giving a pretty good yield. I know it's a supercharged pool and your position has to be managed one way or another. Do people bring liquidity over from ETH the same way, just using Axelar in order to supply yeah. liquidity? Yes. And so interesting. Yeah, so users in that pool would the uh, APR is like 42%. Uh, I believe there's also a Quasar Vault that gives you, ex that helps manage some of that position. Uh, so I think that exists. I, yeah, I, that may also exist. I'm not positive. I think it does. Very cool. You know, I was just always curious how liquidity gets there in the first place. And how, I mean, but I think, I think um, for people that are holding ETH, right, and you're, you're basically getting single-digit returns for most ERP assets as you go all around Ethereum, or sometimes you can get subsidized returns for tokens. But I think that would be attractive if you don't mind taking on the bridge risk. I mean, and we're in Cosmos, we're kind of desensitized to using bridged assets at this point, right? Um, so I, I was I, I was actually shocked to see the um, APR that high. And I'm sure it fluctuates quite a bit, but there's there's only four thousand in daily trading volume the last twenty four hours, and still yeah, the this, APR this is quite high. What's the incentives that we're providing to the pool to LPs in the pool? So it's all incentive yield at this point. Right. Okay. God. And the, and the incentive is paid in what? In, in SOM so, tokens? Since it's Cosmos? Yes. Or? No, SOM tokens. Yep. So anytime we're cool. doing incentives, either on Ethereum or somewhere else, like some by integration in Cosmos, uh, if Somalia is providing incentives, it will most likely be in the SOM token. And then we have SOM liquidity, obviously, on Osmosis, but we also have some on Uniswap. And as we go to other chains, there will probably be SOM liquidity on those chains as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how we do incentives. Sometimes we have, uh, the partner we're collaborating with, they'll co-incentivize things. So there have been times where Lido has provided like steep incentives. Um, again, if we did something on Cosmos, maybe some, the Cosmos partner had provides their tokens. So it really just depends, but on our side, it'll, it'll typically be some. One. What just I, on I, your... I only really have one more one more question, and it's about the SOM token, because uh, it is a little bit counterintuitive to have your protocol basically completely on ETH, aside from what you just described with Cosmos exposure. You have this SOM token, right, which is being used to pay out staking rewards and incentivize liquidity on DEXs. Yep. Does the token get any exposure to all the different vaults on Ethereum in any way? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a great question. So, like, it, in addition to the dynamic you pointed out, which makes Somalia very unique, uh, we also, our tokenomics are a little more unique, at least for Cosmos chains, but I think also for a lot of chains generally, especially like L1s. Um, we 
have a fixed token supply. And I think, Joe, we may have talked about this in Telegram a little bit, if, but I, I may be misremembering. But So we have a fixed token supply. And uh, so it's 500 million. That does not mean all 500 million is in circulation. Think about half of it is in circulation right now. And the so the SOM token is being staked uh, to like help that the actual Somalia blockchain run. So it's a proof of stake blockchain. And you know why do people stake their tokens? Well, they can receive uh, staking rewards. So unlike a lot of chains that have an inflationary model where they're printing new tokens every year and to pay the stakers, uh, we don't have that luxury because our token supply is fixed. So what the way the staking rewards are paid out uh, is through the vaults. So the vaults, every vault on Somalia collects fees uh, for you know users using the vault. So there's typically like a platform fee and a performance fee. So those fees, the users pay those fees uh, for staying in the vaults. They part of those fees go to the SOM strategy, the strategist behind the vault, and part of the fees go to the Sommelier protocol, specifically like the SOM stakers. So, like let's say a, a vault generates 100k of fees, maybe 75k goes to the strategist, 25k. Uh, goes to SOM stakers. So maybe the fees are collected in ETH. There's going to be an auction module. And that's just a mechanism to turn ETH into SOM. So someone uh, in like Cosmos would maybe say like, oh, I want to buy some ETH. Maybe I'll be able to get it for like a 2% discount. So I'll buy this 25K of ETH, but only pay like 24 50 or something, uh, they'll place their bid in SOM. It gets turned into now the protocol has SOM to distribute to the SOM stakers. So I know that's like a little confusing and long winded, but the point is fixed token supply. That means no new tokens are printed out of thin air to pay stakers. Instead, the vaults collect fees and a portion of those fees get converted back into SOM to be distributed to SOM stakers. So that's how. Uh, like stinkers and vaults become aligned. Understood. Yeah, and I always say it doesn't really matter if your if your token has one percent inflation or five hundred percent inflation. If nobody has a reason to buy the token, your token can experience an exponential, you know, dip down to zero. But if the token has a way to accrue revenue whatever that looks like, whether it's a buyback and burn, or like you said, you're, you're using fees from the vaults to incentivize staking, there actually is a reason to buy and stake the token. And this might be good for people who, you know, a lot of people in Cosmos and other ecosystems, they absolutely hate Ethereum. They don't want anything to do with the gas fees. But Sommelier is very unique because it sits, I don't even want to say it sits in the middle. They just have... Um, something on cosmos and something on ethereum that maybe can want to avoid eth altogether and get exposure to those vaults one way or another yeah you in some sense like sommelier is a way to get exposure like the som token or staking the som token is a way to get 
exposure to the growth of Ethereum DeFi, uh, right? Because if Ethereum DeFi, whether it's staking yields or popularity of some of those assets, you know, increases, then the fees in, in small in the small A vaults are able to capture a portion of that. Then like vault fees go up and more vault fees means more staking rewards for some stickers. So it's not it's not direct by any means, but you can you can draw, you can connect the dots between like, oh, I'm sitting in Cosmos, but I'm benefiting from I, I have exposure to the growth of Ethereum DeFi or the Ethereum DeFi and the L2s. You know, it it makes sense. And and you know, there is there's always a limit to how much in fees you could extract from the users, but there's not really a limit to how many vaults and different strategies you can put on the, um, you know, on, on the SOM platform. And it sounds like, you know, when, when I first interacted with Sommelier, I think there were only two vaults. There was the momentum and the trend. Yep. And I bought the strategy tokens on Uniswap because I was geo-blocked from the platform. But like you said, I got to the same place, just a different route. Yeah. Now you guys have so many strategies, and I'm sure there are more. And I want to, I want to get to the next guest, but I'll give you like a minute to to maybe give some insight as to what users can expect in the next several months or over 2024 that might okay. pique their interest to get involved with some a little more. Yep, yep. I'll be very quick. You know, I'm I'm looking at the clock, so uh, I'm being honest. Appreciate it uh, so much. <laughs> so. What can you look forward to? Uh, so this auction module that I talked about, the thing that takes the vault fees and converts them to some to go to some stickers, that should be coming in January. I know we've been saying as like a small EA team, like, hey, it's coming, it's coming, you know, next month, next month. Uh, but we like are getting just much more close to that, like as far as like spinning up testnet and things like that. So that is coming uh, in January. We're we're pushing hard. Then vaults on L2s, I think that's a really big deal for Somalier. So that is coming also in January. Those, those that uh, staking upgrade and then the vaults on L2 upgrade is supposed to occur at the same time. So January for that, uh, which means, you know, Somalier on Polygon, Arbitrum, all these different L2s. So TVL growth opportunity there. And then we also announced something with Chainlink um, on uh, like Thursday before Christmas, something like that. And that is also like vaults on L2s, but it's a little different. So Axelar, we're using the Axelar bridge to go to the L2s. We are using Chainlink's CCIP technology to uh, have vaults uh, work together and like take positions in each other so across you know different chains so what what does that mean that could be like hey maybe i deposit on ethereum mainnet and i have like i want the best ETH yields in DeFi, and then that vault is taking positions in vaults on arbitrum and polygon and uh, optimism right the the respective eth vaults there and so it's sourcing ETH yield from like four different chains, uh, but it's just the single vault experience for you as a user, and you don't have to worry about migrating the assets. 
So that's something really cool uh, that nobody is doing. So like staking upgrade, uh, going to the L2s and then these like omni-chain vaults that are giving you exposure to a variety of chain ecosystem yields for a certain asset. That's all coming. Sounds really good, man. I appreciate your time. I always appreciate people coming, kind of facing the end users on these spaces, answering questions. And um, of course, you guys have a lot going on and just in the last year alone. And then you guys sound like you have a lot of big, big um, expansion stuff happening in 2024. So I, by the way, for people that are listening, I've been taking notes, have entry point, have some LEA. I'll tweet these out like bullet points of what we covered in the space along with this recording. So you can go back and um, go back and listen and, you know, pick out the parts that you're interested in. But, you know, Josh, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks, Joe, for for hosting and then just being a, a advocate for the Cosmos ecosystem and, you know, playing around with uh, Somalia as well. Always appreciate any sort of feedback. Sounds good. Sounds good. Have a great one. And um, now we have uh, we have Mandau up next. How are you? Hey, Joe. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on today. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Joe. You, no didn't, you didn't introduce her properly. The most yeah. hardworking woman in Web3, Amanda. 100%. I, I, probably the, the only hardworking person in Web3, actually. There I, you I go, think, the only <laughs> I think, I think like, um, I think like five Amandas could probably take over all of Cosmos ecosystem, which is like common sense and better communication than what we're all capable of as all the men stutter and, and sputter through these spaces and talk in circles. Hey, can, can, I, can, I, can I make a comment real quick? Because uh, I was just listening yeah. during your uh, conversation. Uh, I, I really like... Uh, one thing I would suggest, I think he's already left with Somlier, is like I'd like to see more videos and more in- information uh, when it comes to these DeFi um, services that 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 we're talking about. Like that, I really like Som. Like I said, I'm involved into it. I'm sitting there, I was listening though, and I'm trying to follow along and trying to like comprehend in my own head, and trying to spitball going like, what would bring more users more like because i have some some stakes right i i, I want the don't even get me started on this yeah well yeah i, I just want to say like uh since it is a recorded space uh and, and anybody that's listening uh like put out content like there's only so much uh in in what you just said joe like people like Amanda and myself and you can do as far as putting out content but if you're an active participant uh in some of these DeFi protocols that are doing these strategies or participating in these strategies like streamline it dumb it down cliff note it if you're that old you guys know what i'm talking about with cliff notes like make it simple stupid easy to use uh as far as content goes and that'll really really help out not only yourself but these protocols and i'm sure in turn they'll really appreciate it so uh that was just my my suggestion i'm sorry i was i was just listening no don't even no don't even get me started you (laughs) don't even get me started and i actually i'll say something to every single person every single person that's in this space is involved in at least three, four, five projects in some way. Whether you're an NFT holder, whether you're staking a token, whether you're supplying liquidity on a platform, you're involved in a project. You should be pressuring the founders and if they have marketing personnel, pressuring those people because now is the time to step it up with content. It can't just be six people with YouTube channels covering 75 blockchains and 500 
apps. It's, it's not possible. And, you know, I have my hands full simply with, with Adam Economic Zone. Tank has his hands full with TradeFi, right? Um, outside of the podcast, had to abandon validators to do better with um, trading and, um, and covering the protocols, simply the ones that he likes to follow, right? So now's the time to pressure these, these, these people to get out there because there are lots of new people coming into the ecosystem. I have data that proves it. I'm sure Tank has data. I'm sure Darkside down there has data. It's time. Like, otherwise, we'll, we'll be sitting here in three years saying, why does Ethereum still have all the TVL? Their technology sucks. It doesn't matter. They have, they have real good grassroots and first mover advantage when it comes to marketing. So th that's my rant. And Amanda, I'll let you show as long as you want because I interrupted you. <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll do a really brief introduction. Um, I know some of the people in this group, but um, my name is Amanda. I have been, um, I guess you could say part of the Cosmos ecosystem as well as uh, a lot of communities in New York City, including the Polygon one for the last two years. Um, and I started to notice a trend of really shitty events in real life events. So I kind of took a stab last year during NFT NYC and ended up throwing a really awesome event featuring a lot of great Cosmos projects, um, different marketplaces uh, in ETH as well as on Polygon. And yeah, kind of have switched over from doing like business development for some Cosmos projects to now doing Web3 uh, events, um, specifically in and around New York City. So um, I wanted to share today um, because I am so excited. Uh, January 4th, next Thursday, um, I am co-hosting a, a Layer 1 day um, at Station 3, which is right next to the Bull on Wall Street. Um, and we have guests from Celestia, Injective, Dora, Hacks, Cardano, Thorchain, and uh, XION. I'm not sure exactly how to say that. Um, so yeah, we have um, six different, I think Solana ended up backing out just last minute. But we, were, we did have um, seven different layer ones coming, bringing everybody into the same room, uh, which is probably one of the best things uh, about in real life events. And just having a really amazing time of networking as well as um, a good, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking right now. Um, <laughs> the panel, a good panel. So um, yeah, so I'm really excited about that uh, to bring, it's, I've been doing events down at Station 3, which is uh, New York City's Web3 hub, co-working co space, events, um, you know, all that sort of thing bringing the Web3 ecosystem back to in real life um, rather than everyone being remote. Um, I've been doing that for about six months now, and we haven't really had a lot of Cosmos exposure down there. It's been mostly Polygon and Ethereum, some uh, Solana project events near. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited because we are, for the first time, getting majority of the panelists be Cosmos projects. So. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited about that. I of course my first community that I dove into was Cosmos. Um have so many great friends there and a lot of projects are based in New York City. So, um really excited to have that. I'm planning on having this uh panel live streams, which will be the first time because uh usually, I don't know, things just haven't worked out. <laughs> um but yeah, I'm excited to have uh yeah, all the people the uh, 
I should also preface this and say that uh, most of the events uh, that I do down at Station 3 are um, for the builder community, engineers, founders, very technical talks. So if you're interested or know somebody that's a developer that needs to get out of their mom's basement and come out to an in real life event, I would encourage them to come out. Um, it's very, it's a very safe place. There's not many women, there's food, there's drinks. Um, and yeah, it's just a really great time. We've made a lot of good, uh, connections. I know last, um, last month, Joe was able to join, join me for a, a good event, um, talking about crypto lending. Um, yeah. And we've covered, oh, yes. and I'm actually sorry to interrupt, but thanks to that event, I am going to interview the ThorChain Chad today after the space. So that'll be hitting my YouTube soon. And he's a very interesting one. Yeah, I, I love that. It's so it's so great. I, I knew him from I met him out in Denver last year and just so such a small world. So ended up connecting with him and I'm really happy. He's one of the core contributors of the ThorChain code. Um, very smart, brilliant guy. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited to have him on our panel again. Um, and we got the, you know, like I said, injective uh, Dora hacks and Celestia as well coming. Um, but yeah, we've covered topics um, at past events such as like Web3 wallet experiences, uh, crypto lending, account abstraction. And I would say for the next couple of events coming forward, we're going to be covering um, popular dApps and DEXs. So um, please share, you know, I, I post things on my social media, follow Station 3. Um, we do events all over New York City. Um, yeah, sometimes out at the, the coast. And yeah, it's just a really great time to bring together the uh, crypto community. And I'm super excited, of course, to bring together um, the Cosmos community. And I, I actually have a question for you, because we, we sometimes we talk about this, about how there's not enough good um, very specific real life events. A lot of them are just a bunch of people going to happy hour. And, you know, we joke around that it's like a bunch of, we, you called it nerd herding yesterday. I'm still laughing about that, but it's like a bunch of guys that like, look like they roll out of bed and they have sweatpants on and they show up to these bars. They just mingle. But Amanda's events have actually like a specific purpose. She has some heavy hitters coming to the one next week. I'm definitely going to try to come to that. I, 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 um, I'm supposed to go on a trip the next day, but I, I think I should be good for the fourth because think about it. You have Celestia injective. I, I would venture to guess that Celestia and injective are the two projects that have brought the most attention and inflow of money into cosmos the last couple of weeks and months. And of course, um, a bunch of others, Cardano still top 12, 15 token, no matter what they do wrong. It's, it's pretty wild how you get these projects to come together. Yeah, I I think like you mentioned, everyone can do a happy hour and you know, you end up having drifters and people that just come in for a free beer. And it's fine to meet people, but I think like I was tasked with helping curate this specific event which is geared towards the engineers, the founders, the very technical people. So, you know, those are the people that naturally aren't the ones that are the ones coming out for the happy hour. Like if you know a dev near you, <laughs> like those guys are not, or women are not usually coming out and socializing a lot. So, you know, I wanted to create these 
really meaningful, you know, keep to a schedule. We're going to have heavy hitters bringing like the best minds that are in and around New York City to come and talk and make it worthwhile for somebody to, you know, take the train in or drive an hour or myself drive two hours. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm really happy with what we've done there. We've grown the community a ton. Um, and yeah, I, if I, if you don't mind me shilling, I'm also hosting an event, um, during NFT NYC. Like, as I mentioned before, I did one last year and we had, uh, panelists from Magic Eden, Stash, One Planet, Stargaze, who am I missing? Um, someone else too. Forget. But, um, I had five or six. Oh yeah. Rarible. Um, so we had uh, a panelist of marketplaces last year. I'm planning on doing that again this year, hopefully having different and as well as the same uh, similar uh, panelists for marketplaces. We're doing a featured woman artist wall. I'm having a really amazing DJ and we rented out the Delancey in New York City, which is one of New York City's top nightclubs. So it's gonna be a great night. If you're coming around for NFT NYC, I suggest save your money. Don't buy a ticket to the uh, conference. Instead, come to the parties and the side events because I think this year um, it's going to be a lot better. Even though last year was great, but you know the markets are looking a last little bit Last year was really better. Your event last year was cool because these, these project founders, a lot of the times through any whatsoever, they're issuing tokens. You don't even know what you're buying. You're getting suckered into these APRs and whatnot. Now you you get to see them face to face. And they're a lot of them are able to face the scrutiny and and lay out exactly what they've built, you know, where the risks are maybe and what the value is. I think that the the real I know some people are totally against real life events. They don't think it's worthwhile for them to fly people to these events. But I think there is value in tank. You could definitely um you could definitely agree after putting on nft nashville and just seeing the conversations that happen face to face would not happen in a telegram chat you know yeah yeah i know i was gonna say earlier i know amanda's not talking about our event our event was the best ever but it could have been so much better could you imagine joe if we, if we would have had uh room the financial room to hire on like literally hire on amanda like our event would have been great it, our streaming would have not looked the way it looked i'll tell you that much right <laughs> Oh, I'm so bummed not to be able to make that. If it weren't for my husband's birthday. I think I lost the audio for you guys. Oh, no. I hear you, Joe. I can hear you. Maybe he can't hear us. Um, yeah, if it weren't for my husband's birthday landing on the exact day, ugh, I would have been there. Um, but yeah, like it was like you were saying, I think the thing that I found um, to, to benefit myself and my personal networking, but also like growing community has been the trust that you build by seeing people time and time again, like the people in New York City, like I know the Stargaze guys, like all of them, we see each other, we talk, we talk about family. And, you know, you get to know all these different team members, not just from a chat or a telegram group, but like they're people, you're investing in them. They're seeing you time and time again, you're building that layer of trust. Um, but yeah, I, I specifically remember last year at the panel, um, I invited Johnny, who's the EVM ecosystem, ecosystem manager at Magic Eden, to be on the panel alongside Shane from Stargaze. And Johnny was like obsessed with Shane, obsessed with Stargaze. 
uh, they've spoken before. I know Joe and Johnny have spoken on different um, channels as well. But like just bringing together those two communities of Magic Eden and Stargaze and introducing them together who, you know, maybe they've never talked with each other before, but it ended up being a great night and obviously no hard feelings. Like, you know, there's, there's great projects that have you know, done and listed things on both marketplaces. Um, but it was a great time. And I'm really looking forward to hosting the next one, April 3rd. But thanks so much for having me on, Joe. Um, one more thing follow- b- before you go. Um, like, sure. like I said before, every single person in this, in this um, space and anyone that listens to this space, every single person is involved with some project on some level. And they should be pressuring the founders and whoever's in charge to get the word out and you know basically attract more people if the project is good what what does it cost to sponsor one of your events i'm sorry you you uh like the nft nyc one and any of your events like like for example when you get sponsors let's say the one for next week the one for nft nyc what does it cost to sponsor what do the sponsors get as far as exposure if they can't attend but they want to support and kind of leverage the attention that you that you get on these projects yeah. So, um, for instance, the, the web three builders events, which happen monthly, um, if you want to be a sponsor of a event, it's $2,000. We offer marketing. You, like I said, you're going to have the stream, uh, recorded. We can offer merchandise. Um, it's basically going to bring exposure and promote, um, yourself, but also the communities. Um, and be able to provide funding because hopefully, here's the thing: the way we do sponsorships is right now they're two thousand dollars, but we want them to be less. So as people sponsor, it actually helps build our budget up, so that like the next time we do an event, it might only cost a thousand dollars for a sponsorship because we want the community to build and be helping each other. It's going to be this cycle of giving. Um, so as as more projects give up front, it's going to hopefully help smaller projects who maybe don't have the funds to you know, rent out a, a booth at a Cosmoverse or whatever for five, fifteen thousand dollars um, you know, they could come and have it's 40. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then also moving on to my NFT um, Web3 Uncovered event, I have sponsorships starting as low as a thousand dollars and my max one only being five thousand dollars. So I know a lot of people throw events and I think the reason that mine have been successful has because it well is because I'm not overcharging people. Like you can throw a really amazing event. Like the event I threw last year was under seven thousand dollars for New York City for that for four hours. So people that are saying, you know, it's gonna cost fifty, sixty thousand dollars to do an event, like that's just not true. You know? So I'm not trying to overcharge people. I want the smaller projects to feel that they can you know, for a thousand dollars, they can be a sponsor. They can have their merchandise there. They can have their logo all over the venue. They can have, you know, their stuff on t-shirts and shot glasses, um, you know, a flower wall with their, a neon logo. So, um, I just really want the smaller projects to be able to be noticed just as much as the larger ones. So sounds um, good. No, I, I, Cause I'm thinking, let's say I'm a big project and I don't want to go to any of these events. I'm too busy. I'm building like I'm basically building an app that's copying another app on Ethereum, but it's a lot of work instead of paying like $50,000 for 
an influencer to send out a tweet or write an article, I could theoretically sponsor 25 of Amanda's in-person events and not waste the money to have one article written about me that no one's going to read. Or if they read it, they're going to forget it in, in a week anyway. Is that right? Is the math right? Yep, exactly. Yep. All right. No, it sounds good. Um, I mean, I don't think I have. I don't think Megaloo or White Whale team, I, I call them White Whale, is here yet. If there's more that you want to show, cool, tank. If you want to talk markets, that's cool. I know they're in a different time zone, so maybe they got it mixed up. But either way, in about 45 minutes, we're going to have Kujira. Um, I don't think Dove is coming on, but we'll have Kujira peeps coming on at 12 for sure, 12 Eastern time. But up until then, until White Whale comes, we could talk about anything DeFi, really. Tokens. Yeah, I we think White Whale is actually having a, a space themselves, and I think it's just kind of running a little bit over. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they, they, I think they were covering. Uh, well, I, I'll wait. I don't want to actually go into their own news because, uh, no, you know, that that's okay. That that's okay because we actually stuck to pretty good timing, and usually the first guest on these spaces throws the timing off. So if they come in five minutes or in fifteen minutes, it's not going to really hurt us at all. Um, I don't know. I White Whale does have some news, so I, I kind of want them to share it. But Tank, if you want to talk traditional markets or just charts feel free man that's always interesting stuff for someone like me who's like a quasi amateur trader who yeah loses I, money I, I, even I, in bull markets i definitely wouldn't mind talking about it um i do want to just give another it. batch of roses to amanda um like later like i'm not just trying to sell her up and uh, not definitely trying to say this because we're friends but it does have a lot of weight like you know um she's been in this space for quite some time she's been interactive with a lot of us um and she's absolutely right guys like uh, if you guys want proof, Joe and I, and, and little along with Little Gains and uh, many other people who made uh, you know NFT Nashville possible, can attest to it and show you guys that you know to to host these events live in person, which has huge effects, ripple effects uh, as far as like partnerships and and trust buildings and community building. Um, it doesn't need to break the bank, you know, and it, it can it can be sustainable, it can be maintainable. Amanda's great, and her events are great. Like I honestly. Uh, we haven't talked about it much, Joe, um, but, you know, we have the Bitcoin uh, conference happening here in Nashville 2024. Uh, I would love, I would absolutely, it would be a dream of mine to host another side event here, Cosmos uh, event. It doesn't matter in particularly like, you know, it doesn't have to be chain specific, but it can be like just loosely, uh, you know, friends and, and family of the Cosmos ecosystem, uh, which we are directly or indirectly connected to uh, kind of event where, like you said, those main events. Like NFT Nash or NFT NYC, like meh, you can go to Bitcoin conference, but like the tickets are freaking expensive and you're gonna get maxi talk over there. But if you come to the side events, you can come to these other things and get community building, uh, builders talking to other builders and meeting the people that you you delegate to, that you are buying into when it comes to their NFT projects or their protocols, like it goes a long way. I I, I it's really funny to me how we talk about uh, you know, like the whole reason, like, it's funny how people go into the whole reason why uh, blockchain is valuable is because it's supposed to be trustless. We don't trust anybody, blah, blah, blah. Like, I shouldn't have to. Uh, and they expect that to be, like, the biggest selling point. Well, guess what? You still need to build a community. And in order to do that, you need to meet people face-to-face. -face. You need to have a narrative. Uh, and you need to have these kind of events that Amanda does. And she does them very, very good. So I just want to give you a huge amount of flowers again. I know there's a little bit of a rant, Amanda, but 
I really, I hope that we can actually do one. And, and speaking about Kajura, I've already talked to dead, uh, briefly before many times. And, you know, he's basically given me the, uh, you know, not the official, but kind of like the verbal, uh, approval. Uh, if Kajura is our main sponsor, Kajura would be the main sponsor to the next event running in parallel to the Bitcoin conference. And if that happens, Amanda, uh, I would love to bring you on as like our, you know, we, we need a woman's touch. We need, we need help. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah. We need, we need two things. We need, we need two people, I should say. We need Amanda. And then we need somebody to do all the audio stuff like Timmy did. Yeah, where the hell is Timmy? Timmy's a, Timmy was like the, the, the MP for NFT Nashville. Luckily he came, but yeah, no, that would yeah. be, that would be awesome. So, so you said Kajira is considering being the flagship sponsor for NFT Nashville. Yeah. But well, it doesn't even have to be like NFT Nashville was the first one, right? Like we, it could be a different name or whatever. It doesn't have to right, be that. Of course. Are, are you considering coming to <coughs> NFT NYC in April? I would love to, but April is, Again, it's always you guys always have these events at like the weirdest times for me. My, yeah, it's not uh, a good time for me either. But I'm I'm gonna have to take days off work. La last year, Nashville was during my my spring break, so I had the whole week off. I was able to like go out like hardcore every night, like I was in college. It was beautiful. Yeah, I might have to do it like a lot of other people did and sacrifice with with mine. I know like Bonzi did. He did a sporadic one day, one night uh, flight and and in and out. But uh, yeah, I'm dying to go up there and meet all of y'all. Uh, it so it would be so great. Last time it was actually um, around Joe's birthday too. Not only was his spring break, but it was his birthday. So like halfway through the night, we're like, oh my God, it's Joe's birthday. <laughs> it was great. Uh, it was so much fun. I got to meet Gaines for the first time and Maria and B-Bands and oh my gosh, like just so many people. It was really fun. Yeah, that would be a lot. I'm going to... Um... I'm I'm going to reach out to White Whale just to see what their ETA is. But Tank, until then, if you want to take us through, you know, Bitcoin charts, SPY, whatever, just give people some information generally what's going on. I think that would be cool. Nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. When the world starts to get really bad and these mugs out here robbing, you gonna love digital currency. All these motherfuckers, they be running and gunning And I'm all like, I'm sitting back just having fun in the sun And I'm like, one out of a hundred, I'm just building up on it To sum up everything we built during the last hundred upsets You're getting salty, feeling faulty, you ain't no man I keep robo here, grinning ear to ear, throwing up anarchy Smoking toilet trees, spitting philosophies Look at the dossier, we rack like geology There's layers to this shit, like it's sedimentary All these little onion peels getting torn off and buried Imagine the smell, that shit is a vital experience Without knowing how you will not survive, period. Uh, <laughs> he's a fucking trip, man. Jimmy, if you Jimmy, if you listen to this, right, you're getting absolutely fucking ripped to death, like on a spaceship of a life, you little troglodyte bastard. I hope you fucking listen, I hope you come to my house, son. I swear to God, man, I've got fucking loads of weapons and my dogs, man. You just a little rat, man. Go on. Fuck off, man. Do one. Fuck off. Harmony. Another one. Do you looking for a fucking job? You fucking idiot. You've just been fucking at my death. Fuck off. 
try to change the course of the portion philosophy I'm just here for the corporation sponsor lobotomy Feels like I won the lottery, like I'm ghosting this pottery Chill, Demi, boy, this shit's supposed to be haunting If it wasn't, ain't no puzzle, you would try to train your muscle Air dropping like a fatal hustle, but the pay is bustin' Think of all the loss of crew, just to pick up off the tricky custom I figured all those sub would make up for something I guess it just goes to show, the fuck do I know? At least it's quiet over here, I like my little silo It's better than watching them fight over how to divide my time between sitting at the desk and the ride home Devs at Mickey D's, they leeching off that Wi-Fi Zapdos and Mole, they shipping more than five guys Console open, waiting for the kamikaze When the flash phone's bang, they feeling like paparazzi Snapshot motherfuckers We got layers, Meteora, Jawbreaker We cracking a lot of craters We rapping a lot of pay dirt Maxing out relayers Imagine the smell Five dollar wrench to your Darth Vader it's, it's really funny uh, to us at Binance that everyone here is talking about uh, blockchain attack. We know who all the validators we are, know who, we know where they live, and we're going to their house with a wrench, a big wrench, and we will attack them with the wrench, and then we will take their validator node physically and put it in a truck and drive it to China. Right, so this is an extension of the, the activities you performed on, on BTC, right? Uh, funding and creating these massive uh, Bitcoin mines, putting them in caves, putting them in, in uh, factories that were abandoned in the past, and also using electromagnetic pulse bombs to detonate uh, the USA and the other country mines, right? So you're now applying this strategy to, to Lunk uh, in order to take over the chain, is that correct? Uh, it's more simple. There's no uh, EMP bomb. It's just a van of men in uh, Balaclava, and they have wrench and they're taking the physical validators from people's houses. They are usually very fat and they're usually uh, in the shower with, you know, with trying to wash their mice uh, droppings off their uh, clothes. So it's very simple. We just walk in and we take it. But if there is someone who is sitting at the computer or sleeping at the computer, we, uh, we hit them with the wrench really, really hard. And then they say, stop. Don't do that again. And we say, that's okay. Just mm -hmm. give us your validator note. And then they give it to us and we drive it to China. Ten spaces. <laughs>